0: Psychology in Seattle. So, Berto, lately I've been doing some episodes on schema therapy that are for patrons only. Hmm. And I did a long four and a half hour deep dive into schema therapy a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. And I never really knew the model of schema therapy. It comes with it a pretty robust theory that was developed Uh, in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. So it's a fairly contemporary theory compared to other theories that we have available to us. And I'm really starting to like it because it fits with the way I think about humans and about uh, personality. But it provides this very specific language and a system of walking ourselves or our clients or other people through to really flesh out, you know, there's certain things we talk about on this podcast where it's just like, okay, I have an issue with X, or Mm -hmm. I went through this with my dad, and therefore I have an issue like this. And it's kind of an amorphous uh, understanding, there's an amorphous description. With schema therapy, they they provide this very specific language to the schemas, and they also provide this very uh, specific system of understanding the full breadth of that issue. It's like oh. a, it's a description of an of an issue, I guess. Um, I guess it'd be like saying something, you know, like something in the physical world it'd be like okay, that's a car that went down the road. Whereas it's like okay, how about let's open the hood, you know, there's four wheels, there's an engine, there's the, you know, the manifold, the the pistons, the brake pad, you know, like you you start seeing the components of the issue through schema therapy. And I'm actually starting to change the theory to fit the way that I see the world and make it more specific to me because some of it feels a little weird. So I've already changed a little bit. And as I interview you and we look at your schemas and your coping strategies and your maladaptive issues. Assuming there are any we can further uh, illuminate this model but also change it Mm. to fit what I think would be just more resonant with the way we think that you and I. What do you say? I love it. It sounds intriguing. So in this episode, it's going to take a while and we have a few hours here available to us. I'm going to be interviewing you about uh, your childhood, how Mm. it relates to your personality how it relates to your coping strategies over the years that have not worked out for you, and also how you can get your needs met in a functional way that uh, schema therapy, the model, helps to illuminate. And um, people out there listening, as you've listened to other episodes about schema therapy that I've done, I hope that... Because as I go, because th- I, I do the full assessment and I ask him a bunch of questions and you could answer the questions in at home on your own to kind of figure out how you would fit into this model as well and maybe benefit in that way. So what do you say, Berta? Let's do it. Let's do it. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Hanna. I'm a therapist and a professor. Who are you, Umberto? My name is Umberto Castaña and I help people to square the circle. So this episode is just for patrons of the podcast, so if you want to hear this full episode, you have to become a patron by going to patreon.com. When you become a patron, you get access to this episode, you get access to the Bob uh, deep dive with uh, Schema Therapy, you get access to the five hours in which I do a deep dive on Schema Therapy, and you get access to um, all the greatest episodes of Psychology in Seattle. I did... Uh, something like 14 hours on attachment theory. I did a deep dive on suicide. I've done deep dives on psychodynamic theory and all sorts of things. So go to patreon.com, become a patron, do it now, do it now. All right. We are in the patron zone. We're behind the paywall, behind the paywall. Do we have to be lowered in a little crate and go through a large uh, tunnel of ice? Uh, Mexico is going to pay for this paywall. <laughs> um, so, again, this is my model, my adjustment to schema therapy. The first thing we want to look at, Berto, is your core emotional needs. So I've, I have eight different core emotional needs here. Hmm. And the um, let's go through each one. And you can tell me as a child growing up whether or not this – Need was met fully okay. or adequately or not. Number one, secure attachments, love, attention, a- attunement to your feelings and experience, empathy, nurturing, and validation of feelings and needs. Was that was that right. need, core emotional need, met adequately as a child?
1: It was met uh, adequately in some ways and not in others. Or I guess maybe it was more about who it was met by and at what time.
0: Well, so, and I know enough about your history, you know, you had extended family who were there for you. Yep. Y- you, your father was there for you, but at times not there for you. Yep. Your mom was present, but maybe not there for you emotionally and then definitely not there for you. Yeah. So uh, it's a complicated one. But in general, do you think, say, age seven, did you feel like you had at least someone who was nurturing and cared and you were a priority in their life?
1: Yes, I was not in a padded room looking through a little window at my doctor's.
0: (laughs) As Homelander.
1: Yes, I was, I I did. And in fact, not only that, I I felt a very strong sense of belonging to a family Mm. that cared for me.
0: Number two, safety, stability, and predictability. So this is... You know, Did yeah. you feel safe? Did you feel like your life was stable? Did you feel no. like life was predictable? No. Yeah. Uh, particularly in, early in life. Particularly
1: early in life. I, in fact, oh, I'm just having a little realization here. So I used to have this thing where I would I'd come home or maybe I'd wake up and I was always expecting some sort of surprise. And, and I don't mean like fun surprise. It could have been a fun surprise. But I mean, it's just some sort of news. And as an adult, I'm realizing, like, I'm always expecting that, too. And now I'm thinking about it, and it, it must make a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense, because I would be sitting there, and all of a sudden, oh, your mom's leaving. And then I'd be sitting there, and whoop, we're moving to Columbia. I'd be sitting there, whoop, we're moving back to New York. Like, whoop, you're moving back to Columbia. And not that I wasn't a participant of this, but, you know, I'm a little kid, so it's like, whoop. And then, like, oh, your aunt's leaving Columbia. And whoop, you're going to a new, new school. Oh, we're downgrading you back to a different grade because the grade you were in was too is ne- too advanced here in this country versus the country you're coming from. You know, like all these whoop, like there it is kind of wow. changes. And so there's always something. And then positive things too, like, oh, your aunt just arrived from the United States for visiting. And, and it's one, it's, some of those are things where... I don't know if the adults didn't communicate enough or I had too short-term memory or whatever. A lot of times I was surprised. Whoa, my aunt is here from the United States. Certainly when my cousins would come over, it'd be a surprise. Like, oh, cousins come here to visit. It's Saturday. How fun. Lots of surprises. Lots of changes. Grandpa is all of a sudden falling down the stairs. Whoa, what a shock. The roof of their room is caved in and they got to move to a different room. Whoa. Like, and I like... And then the news, the nightly news. Well, a car bomb went off and killed a whole bunch of people.
0: The uh, bullets just went through my house. Bullets went
1: through my house. house. Whoop. Crazy.
0: Yeah. Lots of just... You're smiling while you're doing this. I'm Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: just... I mean, because, you know, I'm far enough away from the horrors of the parts that were terrible. but But in general, it was a constant or it felt like a constant environment where new things would happen all the time randomly. And so I sort of felt... Like when's the next surprise? When's the next thing that's going to happen?
0: And I still feel that way. Hmm. Yeah, I'm guessing that'll come into play when we look at your schemas. Number three is a sense of identity. So this is early in life, having enough people around you who pay attention to you enough and give you the space to explore who you want to be, who you are. And you are able to develop a connection with how you feel, what do I want, uh, who am I, did you get that need met adequately growing up
1: I do believe so uh, in the sense that I was I felt supported in well okay as far as I knew yes Uh, in the as I've been an adult and I've had conversations with my dad he's confessed to me that he would like actively try to dissuade me from doing music and, and being interested in music because he wanted me very focused on math and science as an example but I guess growing up, I never felt that way. I always felt that, you know, I got I got a say in what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be and in my interests. And, yeah, I felt like
0: I had a sense of who I wanted to be and who I was. Okay. For freedom to express needs and emotions, spontaneous expression of emotions and thoughts, play, creativity, and having other people accept it. Did you get that need adequately met? In spades. Okay. Uh, five, autonomy and competence. So uh, you mm. feel like you're good at things and you, you're free to do what you want within reason. You're, you don't need hmm. other people to help you all the time given your age. Did you right. get that need met?
1: Um, I guess so. I, I'm wondering – the reason I'm hesitating. So on the one hand, I certainly wasn't overly babied. But on another hand, I was – I, I lived with two grandmas because I, my grandma and her sister. And so, as I was, when I was little, I really didn't have to lift fingers. You know, like my food and my dishes and my clothes and my room were really well cared for. And then, when my dad moved back down, then he started trying to apply a little bit of, well, you got to do some chores and things. Well,
0: there's stuff like that, but there's also like, did you feel like you could do your homework by yourself? Did you feel like you could walk to yes. school by yourself?
1: Mm, not that, because that wasn't a thing. But yes, yes. And once I was
0: able to take buses, I was able to take buses. and um, okay. Yeah. Yes. So we'll say that that one yes. is that. Six, acceptance and praise. So you felt accepted, you felt praised adequately enough. Huh.
1: huh. So clearly by my father... And by my grandma on my father's side, I definitely felt inadequate whenever I would visit the mo- my mom's side of the family, because I think culturally, uh, they're from the coast of Colombia, and there is this kind of very blunt, almost east coast of this country ish kind of uh, attitude, and people just say what they feel what they think about stuff. And they don't seem to care about feelings as much, is my impression. So I do remember being, they're, the,
0: they're the people today that when you get off the plane, they say how fat you yes, are. Yes,
1: and, and will comment on anything about anyone and just like, yeah, be very obtrusive that way and very not refined or very... un Like they're not wearing kid gloves when they say things. So I do remember feeling anxious when I would go over there. And I remember things like oh, we need to take you to get a haircut. Your hair is terrible. Or uh, what are you wearing? You know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. And then... But your primary
0: people...
1: But my primary people, I felt very... Uh, yeah, like, like, oh my God, what an amazing Lego sculpture this is. Uh, okay. And oh, this is the greatest work of art I've ever seen.
0: Okay. Which led to me being a narcissist. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Uh, which leads to the next one, number seven: realistic limits and self-control. Yeah, no, I, I I suffered from this one. I did not get good models
1: for that at yeah. home. I I was encouraged in a way to hey, you you wanna you have a cool creative idea streaking you this Friday evening, let's work on it late into the night. And and when I was a little older, like oh, so you stayed up all night working on the thing you wanted to do. Yeah, but I wasn't given. The tools of like, you know, hey, why don't we pause here? We'll take this back up tomorrow. You need some sleep. Or this is great that you're so into this today. What's your plan for this? Do you want to continue this next weekend? Because you're probably not going to be able to finish it this weekend, but it's a great idea.
0: I didn't get any of that stuff, right? So there's stuff like that, which is relevant. There's also stuff like uh, uh, encouragement to self-control emotions, like... Hey, you know, you're getting a little out of control. Calm it down for, you know, you, you can't take up this much space because you have to respect other people's that space. That one
1: that one was hard because when I was first left in Colombia, I think everyone overcompensated because they were like, "Oh, poor little Beto, his mom left." So, that's why he's throwing the toys at the wall and that's why he's yelling at everyone. And I think they probably overcompensated because I remember I remember stories and a couple of memories I have of just like, you know, just getting away with having, which is understandable, but just like, I wasn't disciplined in that sense, right? Right. And then now when my dad moved down, he was more of a disciplinarian, but honestly, I think I've told this before, uh, he punished me many times with things like, okay, okay, no TV on Saturday. But I swear to God, I don't remember a single time Where I didn't end up being able to talk my way into still watching whatever it was that I was supposed to
0: watch. (laughs) Like maybe I
1: missed a show,
0: you know? All right. Well, that'll come into play later. Number eight, last core emotional need that I've categorized here guidance and mentoring. Right. So so people saying to do this. And, you know, obviously this comes into play later in life about career and stuff. Right. but, But even when you're young, it's like, how do you deal with the bully at school? how to negotiate with your teacher, how to organize your life, this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, this one I was lacking. Um, First of all, I was afraid to tell my dad things when I was little. And so there were many times where I got myself into trouble. I've talked about some of them on the podcast, where I got myself into trouble unnecessarily. Like, I literally had not done something wrong, but for for an unlucky reason, I got in trouble at school. And then I couldn't tell my dad about it, so then I I would actually get in trouble. And... That happened a lot, and I don't know why, because my dad actually was really good at talking things through, but I was scared to death to tell him. And uh, when I talked about it in therapy, a lot of times we talked about maybe I was subconsciously scared of him also leaving me and yeah. kind of stuff. You know, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was that. Uh, I had an uncle that, uh, when I was young, actually I felt was a good influence on me. He, he helped me learn how to drive. My dad did as well. but And he would take me on runs and teach me about how different ways to train for running, um, he gave me a lot of actual advice on uh i mean he was into a lot of new agey stuff but he he would tell me about like having ambitions and goals and things like that, so I got a little bit, but I didn't live with him it was just when i when I would see him on uh, kind of every other weekend sometimes uh but in the house that I lived in, my grandpa, who everyone tells me was like amazing, super smart, very good advice giver all these things he was he was a little too old by the time I came into the picture. So most of my memories with him are of him being annoyed and losing his patience very easily, not even just with me, just in general, and and, and also losing his ability to talk. Mm. So with my dad, I felt that for things that were... like I I really do remember conversations where he would have emotional conversations with me when I was little and help me navigate through strong feelings and stuff. So I do remember those. But then I didn't have you know, like things around uh, how to manage myself with friends or to anything to do with money or... And he would always have such conflicting relationships with other people that the examples I saw were just by, like, oh, that person's such an asshole and, ooh, that lady presenting on TV is such a bitch and right. all these things. So, no, I guess I, I lacked So, a models. mixture there. Yeah, a mixture.
0: All right, so now let's go into the schema. So, the, the core emotional needs... We all have as we're yeah. born, and if any of the needs are challenged and not met adequately it it we develop these maladaptive schemas right if we're raised well enough we we develop schemas like people are good for the most part, I'm good for right. the most part. I'm capable uh within reason. Uh, I need to control myself in this way uh, when people do bad things, then they deserve this level of punishment, uh, but they deserve some leeway. You know, there's all these different uh, uh, healthy personality traits that we develop because it's it's deeper than just a belief system. It's like a felt sense of how the world operates. Right? Am I a good person? That's not a cognitive, conscious, con, you know, decide decision that we make. It's something that we just feel. It's a, it's a, net, it's a right. permeating, pervasive part of our personality. And that's what these schemas are. So uh, w- when they're not met, then we develop these maladaptive schemas, which we're going to go into. And there's 18 of them. Number one, the first, and I've reworded all these for my own liking, is people are undependable. Okay. So tell me if you agree with any of these statements. People are
1: undependable. Yeah. Is, I, is there a
0: scale? Well, so just tell me if you agree or disagree or sort of make mixture okay, okay. with these statements. I worry, are not I worry that people I feel close to will leave me or abandon me. Yeah. I worry that people will die soon.
1: Um, not in a way like that, no. I Other feel, than the very old ones in my family.
0: I feel lonely. No. I find myself clinging to people I'm close to because I'm afraid they're going to leave me. I
1: have done that without knowing that I was doing it.
0: I feel that I lack a stable emotional support from others. Yes. I expect close relationships to end. No. Sometimes, uh, I sometimes feel like I'm addicted to people who get close to me. No. Sometimes uh, I drive people away with my clinginess. I have in the past. When a loved one leaves me alone, I feel desperate sometimes. Yes. Sometimes I avoid close relationships to avoid the fear of me being disappointed. No. Close relationships are unpredictable in the way that we suddenly switch, in the way, in that they will suddenly switch from being interested in me to not being there for me.
1: Um, uh, close relationships seem what? Unpredictable. In that way? Unpredictable.
0: Sometimes they're there for me, sometimes they're not.
1: I have experienced those kinds of close relationships, so I don't know if I would do you believe
0: that all close relationships are no, like that? I don't believe that. If I express my true feelings, people will leave me. No. Okay, so it sounds like you have, like, maybe a 30% of this one. This the, is, the
1: first one was a yes, by the way.
0: Uh. Okay. Yeah. So this is like... People are independable. This is th- that's this yeah. whole category that we're talking about.
1: Here. Oh, I see. They, all these questions were, I see. The first one was the category.
0: Yeah, category. right. Yeah. So uh, tell me if you have any of these coping strategies. These are so. This is a you have a mild case of this maladaptive schema. People are independable. This is a distortion in yeah. that um, people are generally dependable, and you have a little bit of a. A notion that people are more undependable than they probably are. That's right. the idea, and in order to cope with that, we have to uh, we have to develop these coping strategies because the, you, we worry about people being undependable. We might actually create undependable relationships, and so we have to figure out ways of coping with that day to day. And there there are three different uh, main ways. So you got fight, flight, or freeze. So the fight is to overcompensate. The fight is to... Uh, flight is to leave. Flight is to avoid. And to freeze is to surrender. So, they, so that's the language that they use. Interesting. So to surrender to this um, schema is to select people who uh, are undependable, essentially. Yeah. To, to be attracted to people who are undependable. Is that true for you?
1: I've absolutely done that.
0: Okay. The avoidance is to avoid relationships altogether. I have not done that. The overcompensation compensation is to cling to people and attack them. When no, they, I've
1: I've only had no, I've I've had that happen. I've done that, but not in general.
0: It's it's, uh, yeah. Okay, so you select it. it so this. Is, so the idea goes is that you had to develop this maladaptive schema of like, okay, people are undependable. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Some people, you know, are, but you know, a lot of times they're not, and you know what, I can, I can fight it by uh, attacking people and making sure they stay close to me. I can flight from it by just not being involved with other humans. Or I can just sort of freeze. Yeah. I can surrender to this notion. And the way that I surrender to it is by having a life that confirms that, by making sure that I... Um, tend to like undependable people yeah. and don't notice that they're maybe that's part I should note I should add to this um and don't uh, and ignore or make excuses for their um lack of um stability or something mhm um So that's the surrender part. That
1: one rings the truest to me of the three. Okay. And because it's not like, because I didn't answer yes to all the questions, Mm -hmm. it's not like I do this constantly with everyone at all times, but it has been there as part of my
0: experience. Two out of 18 schema, I've reworded this one. People are harmful emotionally or physically. Okay. So tell me if you agree with any of these statements. Okay. I often feel that I have to protect myself from others because they are likely to hurt me. No. No. It is only a matter of time before someone betrays me. No. Most people are selfish or fake and only think about themselves. No. It's hard for me to trust others.
1: Mm, No.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I'm not going to read the rest of them because I don't think it it looks like you have that one. Uh, Number three.
1: By the way, I, I will say, though, that if anything, I've had, if there is an opposite to this one, like... You know, if me answering no to these questions, if that's on a spectrum, sometimes I've been affected by going too far in the other direction of being too
0: trusting of, you know, stuff like that. Uh, There's probably a schema for that later. Number three, people are uncaring. Tell me if you agree with any of these statements. I've never had a consistent person to depend on for advice and emotional support. I agree. Generally speaking, no one has ever really been there to meet my emotional needs. Um, medium. I haven't gotten enough love and nurturance from others. No, I mean, I have. For most of my life, I've never been someone's main relationship. No, that's not true. For most of my life, I have not had someone who really cares to listen or understand me. Not true. For most of my life, I've never had someone who was really there to guide me. True. Yeah, I don't know if that one really fits. I'm going to take that one out. Okay, so so tell me if you – it sounds like maybe a 10% on this one. So tell me if you have any of these ones. So the surrender coping for this maladaptive schema of people are, un- are uncaring, this notion yep. of just like people are uncaring. They yeah. don't really care about me. Okay. If you surrender, it's you select people who don't really care about you, and you don't really ask them to meet your needs, and you make excuses mm, for them. No. Okay. Uh, Make excuses for them. Um, Avoid relationships. That's the avoidance. No. And then overcompensation is to emotionally, become emotionally demanding of others.
1: No, I guess not.
0: Okay. So it doesn't sound like that's a schema for you. Um, The next one is I am defective. The statements here are no one could love me once they saw the real me. Disagree. There's something wrong with me.
1: In fact, sorry, it's almost everyone could love me if they could just see the real me. Yeah, we'll just skip this one because
0: I'm pretty positive you don't have this one. Number five here. I don't fit in. So tell me if you agree with any of these statements. Okay. I don't belong.
1: I have felt that way.
0: I'm fundamentally different from others.
1: I have felt that
0: way. I'm a loner. No. I feel alienated from others. No. I often feel like I'm on the outside of groups. Yes. If I disappear tomorrow, no one would really notice. No. I mean, disagree. Okay, so let's see if you have any of these coping. The surrender would be to focus on the differences from others and to just give in to the notion that you're different than other people.
1: I tend to do that. I mean, in a positive way, I guess. I hope. Like, I'm okay with having liking something if someone if you know if it's unpopular or I'm okay, you know if someone says, Well that's weird. Like I'm okay with that. Okay. I don't know if that's what it means, but
0: uh, avoidance would be to avoid groups altogether.
1: No, I don't avoid groups. Although I do I I don't like groups generally. I, I hate crowds and I don't like clubs and uh oh join our like oh it just gives me The
0: overcompensation. Well, it is kind of an avoidance. Like, join our aviation club. Like, Rushmore would have been my nightmare. You know, (laughs) (laughs) the overcompensation would be become a chameleon to fit in while while feeling alone. That. Okay. That one. So it's interesting because you you do all all three of these to some extent. Well,
1: oh, I see. That's a third type. Okay, because I do that a lot. I will go along with the plan, and I'll put on a happy face. But I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be here. Like yeah. I do that a lot. Yeah. With exceptions of the things that I actually do want to do. Yeah. But I do do that.
0: I'm going to take notes here about you. Oops. Uh, okay. You're, so it seems like you're about 50% and you have all the coping <laughs> stuff. Uh, five, six is, I am incompetent. I am incompetent. Tell me if you agree with any of these statements. I do not feel capable disagree i often need other people to help me disagree i don't cope well by myself disagree yeah so we don't need to do the rest of those i don't think you have that one 7 the world is dangerous i'm i'm guessing where i'm going with this one let's see <laughs> I often have the feeling that something bad is about to happen. (laughs) I often feel like a disaster—yes, natural, criminal, financial, or medical—all of the above—could strike at any (laughs) moment. Yes, yes. (laughs) I sometimes worry about becoming a street person. No. Oh wait, I did. I did
1: in my crisis, my thirties crisis, when I turned, when I was right around thirty, and I had my panic attack, and then I was having a real struggle in my job. As a squaring circles technician. And I, I I had this real bad time where I started fearing I would become my father. But...
0: Who is a version of a... Even though yeah, he has a home, yeah. he's basically like a street person. But I don't feel that way now. I often worry about being attacked. Yeah. I put a lot of effort into avoiding getting sick or hurt. Yeah. I often worry that I'm going to get a serious illness. Yes. I'm a fearful person. Yes. (laughs) I often worry about the bad things happening in the world, like crime, climate.
1: Like, what? What's going to happen? Yes. (laughs) Don't say more. I'm getting scared here. Is this a prediction? Are you Nostra Nostra Kirko? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: I sometimes feel like I'm going to have an anxiety attack or go crazy or have a heart attack.
1: Well, yes. (laughs) Yes, yes. I feel
0: like the world is a dangerous place. Yes. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All of the above, 100%. Jesus (laughs) Okay. Jesus
0: <laughs> Okay, so tell me how does that feel because like this, this is my version of this model. Right, right. It, is that interesting to you? It is interesting because it's like, you know,
1: I think there was one of the first categories where I was like, yeah, I can identify it. But this is the first category where I'm like, oh, God, that is me completely through and through. And it's scary. It's scary that's,
0: that I'm so scared. Well, is it interesting to hear a outside instrument that was developed not with you in mind that nails you so Yes, absolutely. Isn't that interesting? Whenever that's happened and it's rare when I read
1: because you know sometimes you'll read a horoscope or you'll read actually some of the personality stuff, right? And then you're like what? Yeah. Like the other day a friend of mine was showing me these cards that I think it's I think it's one of the personality things we did but it had these different colors or something. It was like a color. Was it Engram? Maybe. It had four different colors. It was like green blue uh, orange whatever and i was reading the cards and there was one card where it's like yes, yes 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 whenever that happens i'm like okay that's that's crazy
0: yeah i mean does it feel <sighs> validating or does it feel yes, okay it does because
1: i mean on the one hand i'm like but imagine going to the doctor right and you go to a doctor, and you're like, oh, I've, I've been struggling with my health. And they ask you questions, you're like, no. And they do tests, nothing. And then this goes on, and it goes on, and you go from doctor to doctor. One day, you show up at a doctor, and they start asking you questions. They're like, does your big toe hurt? Yes. Did your little pinky feel nauseous? Yes. It's like, does your belly button turn rainbow colors? Yes. And then, like, every question, you're like, yes, yes. And then at the end, they're like, okay, well, then I know what's wrong with you. You're like, oh, finally. You're like, please, treat me. What do I take, you know? Yeah. It feels a little bit like that.
0: Okay, well that's good. That that's 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 what I would hope. And that's what I think this model provides. It, so, it's,
1: sorry, it reminds right. me of the Charlie Brown Lucy Kirk panel where she's got the little psychiatrist 5 cents booth yeah. and and she's like maybe you have um you know kleptomania or klepto-, you know she's going through all these things and she finally goes oh, fine maybe you have agoraphobia. It's like what's that? The fear of everything. It's, or not, not agoraphobia,
0: pantophobia, the fear of everything. It's like,
1: that's it! <laughs>
0: yeah. So it goes back to the core emotional needs of a uh, feeling of safety and stability and predictability, probably. You were not given a stable life growing up. You need you know, a predictable right. life. Your life was highly unpredictable around very important issues like... What country am I going to live in? Yeah. Will my mom come home today? Yes. Yeah, like big questions like that. Yeah, and so as, as a, I'm
1: laughing here because I'm I'm realizing just like these aren't small little details. It's yeah existential,
0: right? Uh, central questions to a child, right? Uh, you know, is my mom going to come home? Right. Uh, you know what am I going to ever see my grandma again? Um, These are fundamental questions. And uh, uh, by your very detailed description of that need not being met adequately, it seems to have developed in a robust uh, schema of the world is dangerous. The world is a vampire. Dangerous vampire. And so let's look at the coping strategies. Um, obsessively reads about bad things happening and worries about them. Yes. <laughs> like, when 9-11 came out, you watched it. Yeah,
1: I, I have had to definitely medicate myself, not literally, but against these behaviors because when I was younger, I obsessed uh, in these times. Like, uh, yes, when 9-11 happened, I was glued to that couch For weeks on end, I would fall asleep on the couch watching the news, just waiting for the next shoe to drop, you know? Uh, Same thing oddly happened with the OJ Simpson trial that even though it wasn't directly affecting me or wasn't an ongoing crisis or something, um, what I feel triggered me is when I saw the chase on TV, like so many of us did, this naive part of me assumed that. He was just going to go straight from being captured to jail. Do not collect. Go. You know. Do not collect your two hundred bucks. And because I was like, well, clearly he's guilty. Like you know, he's running away from the police. Everyone's going to catch him. Like we all know he's guilty. So case closed. And then when I realized, oh, there's going to be a trial. Oh, okay. And then not only is there going to be a trial, it's going to be like this spectacle, and it's going to turn out that he's going to get off. Like. That whole thing, for some reason, triggered me
0: tremendously. Well, because it's an example of the world not being safe. Yeah. Like, so you're saying someone so obviously right. guilty can get off. Yeah. And also, the surrender part of this, because this, this, you're talking about the surrender aspect of coping, is a desire to seek out situations <laughs> that will confirm that the world is actually not uh, safe or safe it's a mm-hmm. it's a desire to, to to test the waters because right. there's a part of you that wants to learn that the world is safe and so you're attracted to it's like well and i'm guessing that's happened at times where yep. the case has actually gone the way you hoped it would and you went okay i can relax now Because you need that confirmation that the world is safe and predictable. Um, But it's also this repetition compulsion, as Freud put it, to recreate these bad situations and re-traumatize yourself. Yeah. And, in
1: fact, I have done that when I was very drunk at times. And, you know, when I was younger and – well, it's not that much younger. But there have been times where when I started the evening drinking, my underlying emotion was kind of in a dark place. And whenever that used to happen, it could – make me a very like frustrating drunk or like annoying drunk and worse than that it would make me dangerous to myself and for example I remember walking through the streets of Seattle like at 3am in the morning basically looking for
0: a fight like looking to and ens- so yeah. so I'll pause you here skipping forward overcompensation is to act recklessly mm, to, do, to do dangerous things have yeah. flippant attitudes And it sounds like, at times, you would go into that mode. When I'm
1: vulnerable, and the vulnerability in my case often has come from intoxication,
0: but I have done it, I'm sure, not intoxicated in many ways. Well, because, you know, if we're going to put this, you know, into the schema language, it's like, again, because you didn't have that need met of stability, and that resulted in you developing this personality trait of the world is dangerous. It's not like a... Worry that it's imposed on top of your personality. It is your personality. Right. That you believe, yeah, the world is dangerous. You can't prove to me that the world is not dangerous. Right. It, it is dangerous. And all I have to do is open up a browser, and I'll show you. Right. Yeah. Even if the whole world was, you know, extremely safe, I would still walk around with a sa- with a sense that the right. world is not safe. And the surrender coping mechanism is to say okay I agree schema the world is dangerous mm-hmm. and I'm going to obsessively read about the fact that the world is is unsafe and I'm going to be hyper vigilant about that I'm going to re-traumatize myself I, gi- I give schema you're right the world's dangerous yeah. danger. and then there were other times when you'd be drunk and because I'm guessing you're uh, you were less inhibited and maybe a little bit more brave a little bit more able to cope with the anxiety you're like i'm on the other side now let's let's do the other side of this you yeah. know i'm going to show the world and myself that i don't care right. about safety and i'm going to prove to myself that the world is safe and I and the the fastest way to do that is to put myself in massive amounts of danger, <laughs> and this yeah. will prove to me right. that the world's safe and I'll I'll live through the night and everything's going to be okay. And that's the overcompensation. In fact, I'll be a, an active member of the unsafety in other people's lives. <laughs> <You> <laughs> right. I mean? right, 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 right. <laughs> so this is the overcompensation, right? Yeah. And then the avoidance is to avoid dangerous situations excessively.
1: I guess I also do that in the in some aspects, right? Um, uh, I get very. I I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm certainly not obsessive compulsive, but I, I do tend to be very worried, preoccupied, I should say, about cleanliness and um, you know, not wanting to not get sick that way. Also, certainly. I'm paranoid when, you know, like if I'm around someone doing something dangerous, I immediately, my mind immediately starts doing the final destination calculations, and I'm like, oop, that guitar is gonna land, that chair's gonna flip, that computer's gonna break, the- oh, hey, move away from that table, you know? <laughs> so, um, I guess I do some of that, yeah. I, I- I think I exhibit all three of them in some to some extent.
0: Isn't it interesting that they included all those? Because in some of them, you would you would would find would be obvious, like avoiding dangerous situations because you believe that the world is dangerous. But to include this overcompensation bit yeah. is so interesting. Yeah, because it is very common. Right. And to the and I I never would have drawn that connection with you of getting drunk and acting very yeah. re- recklessly. And that that would be a part of that schema, the same you know you right. watching nine eleven, you worrying about a uh swollen piece of um floss in your toilet uh, <laughs> you not, you not liking to put your cell phone in your pocket, <laughs> right. you reading a lot of internet uh things about medical things. yes. Is related to you getting drunk and roaming Belltown. That is fascinating. That's it's this. It's yeah. just a different coping to the same schema. So
1: you're saying it's all because I do in fact have a worm in my tummy,
0: and that <laughs> worm is controlling my brain. Yeah. All right. So we really nailed it with that schema. Yeah. Nailed it. Number eight. I must stay close to my family. This is the name of this schema. Oh. Um, I must. Meaning. I must. 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 I am still connected to my parents, even though most people my age are not. Well,
1: really? Jeez. I mean, yes, I am connected
0: to my but parents. But even though most... I mean, I mean I, I'm still um, I, I excessively <laughs> connect to... No. except Okay. No. Some people think I'm over-involved with at least one of my parents. No. I share a lot of intimate details with my parents. Otherwise, some... Uh, otherwise I'm made to feel guilty or withholding. For no, withholding.
1: I don't feel like I overshare.
0: Yeah, so let's skip this one. Yeah, I don't think you have this one. Number nine, I'm a... F-
1: okay, I see. So this, this one was meant to be not... Because at first the way you said it sounded positive. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm involved with my family.
0: Yeah, well, maybe I should be like, I must stay yeah. close to my family. um, Or <laughs> else, maybe I should say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Or else. That's fair. Um, number nine, I'm a failure. Almost nothing I do is as good as what other people can do.
1: No, I don't feel that way.
0: I often feel incompetent. I don't feel that way. Most people are more capable than I am I don't at feel things. That way. Yeah, I don't think you have that one. Uh, number ten, I get what I want um, is the name that I'm giving it to it. Um, I have a lot of trouble accepting no for an answer. No. <laughs> I usually get irritable if I don't get what I want.
1: Uh when I was young, but not as much, no.
0: I feel like I shouldn't have to follow many of the social rules that other people follow. Yes. Yeah, you and I both have this. I excessively hate it when people prevent me from doing what I want to do.
1: By the way, I love that you looked at me before I answered because you're like, I know where... The, okay. uh, sorry, I, say this one again.
0: I excessively hate it when people prevent me from doing what I want to do. Yeah. I, opt- I
1: excessively hate it? Yeah. Yes, I excessively hate it.
0: I often break silly rules that other people yes. ad- adhere to. I often feel as though other people don't have as much to offer as I do. Don't have as I'm much. embarrassed to admit that I do sometimes feel that way. Oh, good for you to admit that. I usually prioritize my needs ahead of others. Yes. People sometimes tell me I'm selfish about my needs. Mm, I haven't been told that. People sometimes tell me I'm controlling and Sorry.
1: You. Sorry. I, I I should clarify. When I was young, I was absolutely told that.
0: Okay.
1: So, yes.
0: okay. People sometimes tell me I'm controlling and rigid. I have been told that. People sometimes tell me I'm intimidating.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, only in some contexts, but not generally.
0: Okay. So, let's say let's say you got a 80% of this one. Um, okay. So the coping strategies are The surrender is uh, to bully others and brag.
1: I don't do that.
0: Uh, The avoidance... Yeah, I would agree you don't do that. The avoidance is to avoid being average and not superior.
1: Avoid being average.
0: Avoid situations in which you're going to be average.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes, I guess I do this. For example, I... Don't like playing online multiplayer games because I fear that I won't be great.
0: Yeah, I'm, I, I have. So I have this one too. By the way, um, this, this, this is narcissism, and and that's actually a known uh, empirical result. Is that when you give like because you give you do the the test, the personality test of yeah. narcissism, and then you put them in the lab, and then you give people a choice as to like a Sudoku puzzle. Yeah. And you give them a choice to do an easy one or a hard one, and it's and there's there's some kind of incentive to do the hard one. The narcissistic people won't do the hard one, um, even though there's no real there's no real consequence oh. to doing the hard one, because the hard one, unless the person's really good at Sudoku, but if oh. it's just sort of a task that is. Um, hard or where you're not or maybe compared to other people or something people tend tend to avoid that so narcissistic people tend to like to do tasks that they're fairly certain they're going to nail okay so I I, as I'm thinking about
1: this it clearly for me varies based on what what the type of task is because as I think about it I just got excited by the thought of like ooh can can I try to solve a hard puzzle and you know actually I'm not I you know uh, the puzzles that have the the rings or that you have to like take a ring out of the other rings and things. Like that. I'm actually not that great at those, but I love them. And if if I was in a room and like I, I was told, hey, try to solve these, I would probably go for at least one of the harder ones. Uh, maybe not the hardest because I would probably know that I actually physically can't solve it, but probably I would try to try. I would stretch myself. But on something like, for some reason, like in, in the context of the video game. These people online don't know who I am. Right. What does it matter? Yeah. But yet I fear like, oh, I'm just going to, it's going to be too stressful because I want to be good at it.
0: Yeah. I've always admired people who can play those kinds of games knowing that they're going to get crushed by 13 year olds who live and breathe that game. Because pretty much any online multiplayer game is like that. Aside from like, like there's this one game because of my issue with narcissism I'm a, I allow myself to, pl- or I, I actually like to play multiplayer online. It's called World of Warships. Huh. And it's, you're, you're a World War II uh. ship. And it's pretty technical in that you have to figure out, like, the parabola of the, of the shots. Right. You have to put out fires. You know, there's a, there's a few things to do. But for some reason, if you're really good at that game, you're still not going to just crush me because mm. it you it takes a long time to like maneuver your boat in particular right. like it 's a it 's a slow game,
1: and the fun is in the mechanics more
0: than on well the fun 's on destroying the other people okay. but, <laughs> but and you 're also on a team so okay. it 's like one team against another team okay and it it, it it's that 's one of the few multiplayer games like when I play other multiplayer games. I instantly just get crushed, and I'm just like, I can't do this. Well, maybe that's the other part is that it doesn't. The sequence isn't so quick. It's not like yeah. you log, you res
1: in with your little gun, you turn right, you're shot in the head. Yeah, like I would, I would play, <laughs> you
0: know, Counter Strike and those kinds of games, right. first person shooter games, and or you know, Star Wars when that came out, right. the Battlefield. I was, uh, it was pretty well. Actually, the Battlefield. I was somehow okay at on mm-hmm. online but other games yeah i would just get crushed so fast that i was like i can't do this uh chris hmm. glover you know him yeah, yeah like he's not a massive video game guy but he plays these games like he's playing what's that new first person shooter it's not um it's not Fortnite, but it's the other one that's really popular the player unknown no um it's in that zone though it's more cartoony
1: oh overwatch
0: no, it's no. it's in between Overwatch and us oh, and uh, I don't know. It's oh uh, the it has like a two part name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To it. yeah, yeah.
1: I know what you're talking about.
0: Okay, um, <sighs> man. It's it's like a fancy Call of Duty, I yeah. guess. But anyway, um, he wanted to play that. And it's not like Eon Flux, but it's along those something lines. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, God damn it! now I just have to look it up. <laughs> Arcos. Um, First person shooter games Nova. Arcos
1: Nova. Nova Arcos. Uh,
0: at Apex Legends. Apex
1: Legends. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's funny. We're like, it's not like Eon Flux, but it's something like that. <laughs> so I respect him because he's not a massive video game guy. Yeah. But he likes to play it. And I tried playing it with him, and just got wrecked. And I, I mean, I I could barely do anything in the game. And I know he must have gone through those phases where he was getting right. wrecked all. The, and he would say, like, "Yeah, I get wrecked all the time <laughs> by thirteen-year-olds," and I'm like, "Wow, like there's some." And i I knew long ago because I read research on narcissism uh, that demonstrate you know that demonstrated that people with narcissism have a harder time with doing activities voluntarily where they're not going to be really good at it. And so, um, anyway, so you have a little bit of that. Um, Overcompensation for this one is excessively attend to others' needs but resent it. So it's like you act subservient to other people, like Uh they matter more than you, but secretly resent during those times. I suppose I've done that at times. Okay. Yeah. Can you describe that a little
1: bit? Yeah. um, Let's see. So you know a little bit of, the, of some part of this. Like, for example, when I've had a relationship with a friend of mine and that friend was very demanding in unre- you know, unreasonable ways, um, I would try to accommodate some of that. And then I would feel like, well, I wouldn't talk about it, but I'd be like, oh, this sucks. And I'd like maybe bitch about it to someone else. Um, so I can see that. I also did do this, did this and do this probably still with my dad forever. You know, where it's like, "Yep, I'll send you some money. Yep, I'll help you with that." But then underneath I'm very resentful. I definitely do that. But I don't do that
0: with everyone and not in all such circumstances. All right, number 11 schema out of 18. Sorry, but what were the other so that was bullies others. Which oh, yeah, didn't just, do that. and then Which is be like right in your narcissism. Right, right. Avoidance, which is something you do, which is avoiding situations. Yes. Both of us yeah. do this that are being average. Yeah. And then overcompensate Sorry. is to yeah. be um, yeah. so very I, accommodating. And I feel that, like I have a the, little bit of those. That's too. where the covert narcissism comes into play, I think, is the mm. overcompensation of just like, I'm superior. I believe that deep down. And I'm, I feel like I'm entitled. But... I also know that that's a bad thing to exhibit. Yeah. So I'm going to overcompensate by right. acting really nice and right. very accommodating to other people, even though I don't really have it in my heart. Oh yeah,
1: I definitely do that. And I even gave an example of uh, before where I met this one person in college, and he asked me, "So actually, this is ironic that this." He's like, "So where do you work?" And I was like. You know, I worked at this like Squaring the Circle company since then, and I was embarrassed to admit it because it's a it's a very prominent industry and company. And so I was thinking that by me saying where I worked, uh, that person would think I was bragging. And so I actually said, "Oh, it's just I work in geometry," and he's like, "Geometry, like at Squaring the Circle?" That I'm like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "Oh." And he's like, my mom works there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that's where I work. I have an internship there. And then later I found out, he, he told one of my mutual friends, he's like, yeah, that guy, that Umberto guy is really arrogant or conceited or something. And Because like, you know, he wouldn't even tell me where he worked. He was like so proud of it or something you know so it came
0: across the opposite it
1: came across the opposite and but i mean like probably underneath i felt proud about it right and i was oh but that w- since i'm so proud about it clearly it must be amazing so then when i say it it must be bragging and i don't want to brag yeah, yeah. so i'm going to like not i'm going to be
0: coy about it that's interesting and then he's like
1: what the hell i'm just asking you where you work dude <laughs>
0: you know yeah i mean i guess if you're a uh, another example just a made up example it's like um you know uh, what part of town do you live in, like in Seattle or something? Um, oh, you know, just around Seattle, just just around <laughs> exactly. Uh, what, what, well, I don't know. What do you mean, like what what part of town? Oh, uh, well, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, okay, if I must tell you, I mean. I, I live in Greenwood, but you know, I, it's not a big deal. It's, it's not something that's going in my head.
1: <laughs> okay. <they're> like, uh, <laughs> I live in Greenwood too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that kind of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. number eleven. Actually, I li- sorry. go ahead. <laughs> Another related story that's super embarrassing. I was in Vancouver one time, many, many years ago, probably easily fifteen or more years ago. Hmm. Uh, actually, it had to be because it was like 99 or something. So 20 years ago, <gasps> 20 years ago, I'm in Vancouver. And I go to a place that is a massage parlor. And it's a massage parlor where you can tip or not tip, you know, because people tip is voluntary. Tipping is voluntary. In Canada. Brand, was it Brandy's? It's, uh, the, it's the Swedish Touch, which is above Brandy's. Oh, okay. yes. And uh, so, anyways, I'm there, and I, th- I think it's maybe my first time ever to a place like that. And the gal is very nice, and i and I had arrived there with some
0: of my friends, and you know we were dressed. So, just to give some context, Brandy's <laughs> is very famous because uh, 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 what's his face? Uh, not Matt Damon. No, but no, no, the, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck, right. Got in big trouble with J Lo, yeah, because, because he went there. And he went there and had a dalliance with one yes. of the women who worked there. That's right. That's Because right. it's a, it's a, it's a sexy dance place. Sexy place. Yes.
1: So I'm sitting there, and I had arrived with my friends, and we were all dressed nicely because we had gone out dancing and stuff like that. So I say to the uh, to the dancer, let's call her. I say, Would you like me to square your circle? <laughs> kind of. I say. So, wow, I mean, this must be kind of a treat for you guys, huh? I say this. This must be kind of a treat for you. Well, what do you mean? She says. well, I mean, like, I'm sure you don't get, like, you know, nice, presentable young men like, like us coming around here. Like, and she's like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, well, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just assuming you probably usually get, like, really weird characters, awkward individuals. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, um, I'm not sure, like... Last night we had the Vancouver or the Canadian hockey team here and they were all really awesome and cool. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then it just like brought me down like 20 pegs and I'm just like, oh, I see. You get like rock stars and sports stars here, right? I'm nothing. But I'm, I was trying to be like, Clearly, this is the highlight of your life that we are here. <laughs> it was so dumb. That's hilarious. But it was a little bit of that narcissism. Like, right. And I was, I was doing it in a very like polite way, like, yeah. oh, this must be a great treat for you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm so happy for you that, I, that I'm here. That
1: I'm here for you.
0: <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, number 11, I lack willpower. Um, I have great difficulty getting myself to stop vices like drinking or overeating. I've had that problem. I lack willpower. I've had that problem. I don't have the willpower to do boring things. I've had that
1: power. (laughs) I've had that problem.
0: (laughs) I sometimes bother others with my impulsive actions. I've had that problem. (laughs) I I often give up when things are hard. Um, Yeah. I have trouble with long-term goals. Yeah. I have trouble controlling my anger. I have, I have. I often do things excessively, like over drinking or overspending. Yes. I get bored easily. Yes. I have. T- I feel like in today's world, it's hard to get bored. But I still feel that way. So yes. I have trouble concentrating on boring tasks. Yes. I almost never hold back my emotions. Yes. Wow, you got this. Yes. You got this one. And oh, when
1: you first said the category, I thought, "Oh, yeah, I'll have some of these." And then it's like. Yes Across the board (laughs) Except the only one There was one That I was like Not quite But most of them
0: Yeah So we'll do 95% All right. For coping For surrender We have Accepts The Accept Accepts the identity Sorry Accepts the identity Of someone who acts impulsively Or has trouble concentrating Controlling emotions Or is irresponsible Sorry So You just accept the identity Look I don't I act impulsively and I have trouble controlling my emotions and I'm you know I'm a little irresponsible sometimes that that's just who I am
1: yeah I, I used to be very much that way I have through work and therapy and hard knocks I am much less that way now than I used to be uh, what was that like so I would you know as an example I uh, the overspending buying clothes which I've talked about in the podcast before I felt so very entitled and when I was confronted about it by someone you know if someone's like, like let's say a friend was like are you sure you should be buying that coat or those shoes you've already you know and they were concerned for me because they're like well I mean they knew I wasn't a millionaire you <laughs> know why was I spending like I was a millionaire right uh, my answer would be like oh no just I'm I would say something like "I I'm totally okay to buy this because First of all, I work at Squaring the Circle, number one. Number two, I barely ever spend money on other stuff. And number three, I didn't have any of these clothes growing up. So, like, I absolutely deserve to treat myself. I do stuff like that. And then that was just with, like, one example. But I
0: certainly... So, you just surrendered to the yeah, over, overspending.
1: Absolutely. And then other times, I, I do think... And some of this is fun, and I still feel it's fun part of the thing I think makes me fun in a social situation is my impulsive behavior when it's not damaging or it's, you know, it's like, let's go. Or, or even if someone's like, I wonder if we should go up to the terrace Let's do it. You know, like impulsively. But then I kind of become that persona. It's like, oh, sure. Like, I'm the guy that'll do anything. Let's just do it now. Right. Uh, and it certainly had negative consequences for me. So and especially when a- alcohol is involved. But I've but and and so i've had those behaviors in the past where i'm like fuck it i'm getting drunk tonight and i'm that guy i'm like the impulsive guy tonight i'm doing it and Mm -hmm. maybe not in those terms but certainly felt it right yeah
0: to avoid through to cope by avoidance one would avoid responsibility altogether
1: avoid responsibility i've avoided responsibility
0: yeah yeah how so
1: I mean, I guess I've avoided getting myself into situations where I I would have to be responsible because something I do have is that once I am responsible for something, I have a really hard time dropping the ball because I I fear disappointment, disappointing or, or whatever. So I will avoid getting into situations where I have to be responsible. As an example... Hey, we're looking for volunteers to be part of the community watch. Or oh, we need members because we're gonna, you know, we need to update the the fencing, and maybe you could uh, volunteer. Oh yeah, I'd love to, but I'm just I'm gonna be so busy this quarter with stuff, that kind of thing.
0: Because you're like, I might be able to do it, but I'm probably gonna fuck it up with my impulsive.
1: Worse, actually, worse. I'm gonna be disorganized about it. But I'm going to feel like I have to deliver anyways, and it's going to be ridiculously stressful. I don't want to put myself in that
0: situation. Overcompensation is to become overly self-disciplined and stressed out about it.
1: I have done that in the past in bursts uh, where I – oh, man, yeah. I, I can go back to even in high school where I would have these lists I would make. I'm like, I am changing my life starting tomorrow. And I would stay up late writing up, you know, a little 15-minute increments of everything that my, my day would consist of. Mm. And I'm like, starting tomorrow. And then that, that morning would start. And, man, I would, like, knock it out of the park. Knock it out of the park. And then usually by day two, at the most by day three, I'd be like, oh, God, this is unsustainable. And then I'd be super stressed. And then I was just like, fudge. I can't, I can't be organized. You know? Interesting.
0: Yeah. All right. Number 12, I must please others. I usually let other people have their way because I'm afraid of the consequences. I have done that. If I assert what I want, something bad will happen. No. In relationship, in relationships I let other I let the other person make the decisions. No. I don't really make decisions on my own. Although sorry, I will go back it depends on the relationships.
1: There are some male friendships that I have. Where when I go hang out with those specific individuals, and there's only there's two main ones I'm thinking about, I sort of just let them call the shots about what we're going to do because I feel like it's too much energy to try to like get my way. So I do do that
0: sometimes, but not in general. Not in general, no. What was the next one? I don't really make decisions on my own. I do, so I disagree. Yeah, I don't think you have this one. So let's. But get I that have one.
1: some. When you named the category, I was like, well, yeah. I,
0: do I to uh, well, appreciate? okay, let's go through the rest. Yeah. Um, I, I often don't know what I really want.
1: I mean, I've had that problem, at least, but more from a source of I want too many things and I'm, I have a hard time prioritizing them.
0: Okay. The major decisions of my life were not really my own.
1: That happened, for sure, huh. but not necessarily as a as an adult, and not at least in the last 15 years.
0: People consider me a people pleaser. I think so. I resent others for not asking about my feelings. I do. I hate confrontations. Some types. When I'm angry, I usually don't show it directly. That's true. When I'm upset at someone, I sometimes do passive things to get back at them.
1: I've. I'm sure I've done this. Like what? I mean, I say I. I, I hesitate a little bit because I, I. I would like to think I'm not quite this way anymore. But I mean, um, I have in in romantic relationships um, set up scenarios where I know the other person will specifically fail so that I can have a I told you so moment or a, an emotional upper hand of some sort. So as an example, you know, maybe um, uh, what would be a good example? Oh, yeah. So for example, uh, instead of saying, "Hey, I am I'm disappointed you didn't ask me how my meeting went," okay, I will come home. I will be annoyed that no one's asking me about my meeting, and then then it'll come to be late at night, and I'll say something like, oh, "I guess nothing in my day matters at this point," or something. You know, maybe very passive aggressive, and it's like, "What?" oh the meeting I was like oh right you know stuff like that so like it's a a real thing like okay I wasn't asked about the meeting so that hurts but instead of kind of just expressing my feelings about it Mm -hmm. I get very revengey about it
0: okay revenge so that's the overcompensation Um, what about other overcompensation like becoming oppositional and stubborn I never do that (laughs) I mean I do I do You do? Yeah, I've done that. The avoidance would be avoid conflict or relationships altogether.
1: Oh, and sorry. In fact, uh, the the, uh, confrontational and stubborn, uh, I've talked before about the friendship that I've uh, had end and then restart a few times with one of my male friends. And I feel that if he were being interviewed about me, one of the things he'd probably say that he doesn't like is that I sometimes become confrontational and stubborn about trivialities. And I feel that that might be me overcompensating for some of the other aspects that I feel about that relationship, which is that I don't get my way enough, maybe, because mm-hmm. I don't say what I want to do, because I just let them call the shots.
0: Uh, so there's like a line that's crossed and, and I'm you're just, just like, I'm that. not going to give on this.
1: Yeah, maybe that's yeah. it. And I'm just having that realization right now. Huh? Interesting.
0: Yeah. Avoidance would be avoid conflict or avoid relationships.
1: No. I mean, uh, yeah, no, not
0: in general. Surrender would be to please others but resent it. Yes, I do. I have done that. Huh. All right. Well, I didn't know you had this one. I'm learning stuff about you. So we're saying you got this one at about 50%. There's certainly, that sounds about right. There's certainly people who are more people pleasers than you are. Right. All right, number 13, I must give. I feel guilty if I don't put others' needs before my own. feel guilty. No. I'm really sensitive to disappointing others. Oh, and sorry.
1: When I was young, I did, especially with my Catholic Catholic upbringing. I actually definitely. Also, my dad would do this thing where, when when people would come over like with kids and stuff, he really made sure that you know I let them play first. I let them do the thing first. You know, like, you know, you 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 make yourself subservient to your guests and stuff like that, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but like that was the thing. But it's like manners. Manners, but. Yeah, ex- exactly. So then what I think happened when I was younger a bit was I would um, I would feel both because I felt that there was an eye in the sky watching me at all moments and because of these other things that, yeah, man, if someone's asking for money on the street, I have to give. And if someone, if I, you know, if I'm getting more than someone, it's like, that's not okay. You know, like I would really feel that strongly. Well, ironically, the thing that changed my perspective was my father because what, ended, what started happening is, you know, I would pass someone on the street asking for money and then I'd be like, bitch, ouch, I just sent a thousand dollars again to my, you know, like that kind of thing. So I'm like, sorry, I've, I've given for the day, you know, and eventually I started kind of balancing the two into a philosophy that I feel comfortable with, which is like, yeah, I have no problem supporting causes that, that I feel are going to do some good and within the boundaries of me not, not doing it at the risk of my own finances and things like that. Um, but but I don't feel guilty all the time by Of things like that So
0: I give more than I get No I usually put up with bad behavior In others mm, I, I have With specific individuals but not usually People consider me to be very helpful And attentive sometimes too much so I don't think too much so No I often volunteer for extra work No Yeah I don't think you got this one Yeah Fourteen, I must fit in. Preoccupied with, uh, I am preoccupied with social status, appearance, money, or success. I have to fit in. in.
1: Uh, often preoccupied. I don't, I'm not preoccupied with status and money. I, I, I was out of, when I was younger, I wanted, what I wanted was safety. And I still want Safety. But I've never felt like, oh, i got to be known as Dr. Castaneda and everyone should. Who, you know, Castaneda? Like, Dr. Doctor, doctor. Oh. Like, you know, like <laughs> I should. Doctors were very venerated, which was one of, the, one of the things that happened. My dad, there was this like schism, right? Like on the one hand, he's like all but destitute. And on the other hand, everyone's still venerating him because he's a
0: doctor. Right. And anyways, I digress. So, no, I don't think so. When someone appears to not like me, I become very stressed out about it. No. I find myself becoming a chameleon to make others comfortable. Yes. I often try to I, I often try hard to fit in if I need
1: to. Like uh, this goes back to the I don't want to be part of groups that I don't want to be part of. So I'm not going to be like, "Oh, can I join your gr-? like I'm not going to do that. But if I'm at a, you know, this if I'm at a party, social situation or uh you know, I, I will try hard to be light and, and fit in, you know.
0: Often, my self-esteem is based on how other people view me.
1: I think that has been true in some ways, but not in general.
0: I sometimes try to achieve things that are impressive so others will notice. Hmm. Mm,
1: I want to impress myself more than anything.
0: Yeah. I spend a lot of time thinking about how I look. Not really. I often feel as though I don't really know who I am. No. Deep down, I don't really know what I want. No. Most of my big decisions were made with other people in mind. No. Yeah, I don't think you have this one either. Uh, All right, 15. Bad things always happen. If something good happens, I usually worry that something bad will follow. I mean, I've had that thought, like, oh, bad things come in threes,
1: or whatever. Or like, I have had throughout my life this kind of karmic feeling. Not, I, I don't believe in it really at all. But just a feeling of like, oh, I feel too lucky lately. Like, okay, I don't like this. Maybe, maybe this. I don't like the fact that this could get balanced
0: out. That kind of thing. People consider me to be a careful person.
1: Mm, I wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, I guess. No, I. I don't think so. I don't think if you ask people, like, what do you? Use 10 words to describe Merido. I don't know, careful would be one of the words. I often worry about finances. Yes.
0: I often worry about making wrong decisions. Yes. I often obsess over minor decisions. No. I believe that optimism is just setting yourself up for disappointment. No. People consider me to be pessimistic. No. Yeah, I don't think you got this one either. I must control myself, number 16. I worry about losing control of my actions. Huh. No. I sometimes worry that I might harm someone if I don't control my emotions. No. Yeah, I don't think you have this one either. Uh, People consider me to be uptight. Huh.
1: No. I don't think so, (laughs) no.
0: Uh, 17. I think you're the opposite of uptight. (laughs) (laughs) 17. I must be perfect. I'm a perfectionist. No. I often push myself to do the best I can do. When it's something I really care about, yes. But not all the time. Not all the time. It's really hard for me to be seen as average. Yeah. I like things to be orderly. I like it. But do you put a lot of energy into it? In bursts. I get stressed out when I don't look my best. Only if I'm going to a party or something. Almost nothing I do is quite good
1: enough. Although, sorry, parentheses. I I have started... Feeling more and more, like... Maybe it's just been always there, but... So maybe the answer to that one is a little bit more yes. But I, lately, it's more about, like, noticing aging things. You know, like, oh, man, I'm getting a, another mole here, more gray hair, more wrinkles, or something. You know, stuff like that. So, but it's... it's. Are you going to do,
0: like, gray for men, or whatever they call no, that? No, no, no.
1: Because you,
0: you, you have a good head of hair that would work for that, because... It's like you're just kind of gray. I see. You know what I mean? I'm going to do the Clooney man. (laughs) uh, I feel a lot of pressure to achieve things. Yeah, definitely. People consider me to be rigid or a perfectionist. No. My life sometimes suffers. (laughs) No. (laughs) My my life sometimes (laughs) suffers due to the pressure I put on myself. Yeah, I'd say so. It's really hard for me when I make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever yeah. I have free time, I think about what I should be doing to yes. achieve one of my goals. Yes. Okay. So I think you've got this one f- at 50%. Yeah. That sounds about right. So you're a 50% perfectionist. All right. So coping, surrender, are to spend a lot of time on achievements or you know trying to achieve things. Spend a lot of time trying to achieve things. Do you do that? I do do that. Um,
1: tell me more. Okay. So, for example... And I mean, this is a funny thing because like, how can you achieve things if you don't spend a lot of time, right? So um, I certainly spent an inordinate amount of time on music, (laughs) trying to create songs and record them and all these things. Uh, Lately, I've been spending a lot of time writing a book, you know, because I want to write a book and I want to have it be awesome. Yeah. Um, And I spend
0: a lot of time in my job trying to do a good job. Do you feel like with your job you need things to be perfect? Like you, yeah. you worry about oh no, there's yeah. a there's a there's a hangnail on that yeah. project. In fact, I feel like
1: at times that has paralyzed me, hmm. and and so one of my growth things over the years has been just get started, just just put a draft out,
0: those yeah. kind of things. Yeah, I'm going to bump you up to a seventy-five on this one actually, because you know in music, you and I, there are various different. Um, projects you and I have worked on, and you've worked on by yourself, where and I've published uh, dozens of CDs publicly. Yeah. Um, some better than others. <laughs> some more embarrassing than others. Sure. Whereas you've published two. Yeah. And you have your solo project that was massive, and you spent a lot of time and energy on. And I think a big factor in you not publishing that project is perfectionism. It's like well it's not quite right yeah, right. yeah. that's it, true and it's like the last bit of effort could either ruin it or maybe improve it by 1% yeah. and you know and and your friends and family will enjoy it either way and right, it's not right, like right. anyone else is going to hear so it so
1: yeah right. i think you're right this is this one's more more for me than we think
0: yeah the avoidance is avoid situations that involve being judged by others yeah procrastinates yeah so you do that one. Overcompensation is to do things in a hasty, careless manner. Mm, no. Gives the impression that they don't care about the outcome. That's
1: also the overcompensation? Yeah. No.
0: Yeah. Okay. No. So you're a surrender avoidance. I must be perfect. Well, right. What
1: was the, sorry, the avoidance is what?
0: Uh, to procrastinate or Yes. Or, okay. Yes. Or so avoid. procrastinate
1: is avoidance and the surrender is I must be perfect. Yeah. Yes. I, I say that that's fair yeah maybe I should include
0: that. I must be perfect yes or else um, let's see,
1: which I'll say the hard part about this is that the things in my life that I've done that I'm the most proud about came out of paying a lot of spending a lot of time and paying a lot of attention to to the details that mattered to me anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I look back, and I don't regret that time spent and that effort and things like that. Um, but the lack of balance is where... Right. It, so right.
0: it's the, I must be perfect, right. or else. Because yeah. as, as you're talking about music and about writing, because uh, I'm a... So there's two types of perfectionism. I did a whole deep dive, patron-only deep dive on perfectionism, and what the research found, which I believe to be accurate, is that... If you have self-esteem mm-hmm. and perfectionism, then things work out well. Like I believe I have self-esteem and I have perfectionism, so I have this idea that it's like I need things to be perfect. I mean, you know me, like with the yeah. podcast, like you know, I'm I'm a I'm a stickler, right? When I when things aren't right, yep. And if it's not right, I don't, I don't want to publish it. Like I don't like the podcast. There's many things that I haven't, I have not let out the door because I'm yeah. just like it. There's flaws. I don't want it out there. Um, but I also have the self-esteem to be able to let things go out the door occasionally. Yeah. And with music, I think you have to be a bit of a perfectionist.
1: Yeah. So I think that you and I both have perfectionism, but your slider is more forgiving, if you will. Mine tends to be maybe less forgiving, and, and not not because it's not a rational forgiveness. Probably it's not like well, there are more flaws. It's actually not really related to that. It's more about how I feel about it. Right. Yeah.
0: It's like well, those three flaws are unforgivable. And therefore it can't go out the door. Right. Whereas for me I'm like, okay, I see those three flaws, but you know, whatever. It's like I'm I'm done with this <laughs> chapter, I gotta let it out the door. As an I'm, exa- I'm okay with it leaving out the door. It doesn't it doesn't uh it's not a it, it doesn't stress me out to think about that being going out the door without it being ultra perfect. Right.
1: As an example, I don't know if I played for you the the recording I did of remember I did those nine songs last
0: year as when I opened for you, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: And then I recorded four of them this year at home. So I to
0: explain, yeah. my band was playing, and I had Umberto open up for a solo, and I told him months in advance, but then a month before, I was said, so just a reminder, Umberto, you're playing, and he was like, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And you have a lot of songs that you could have done right. from your canon, right. but you decided you wanted to write all new songs, and so yeah. you wrote nine new songs and performed them, which was amazing, impressive to me, just because the the volume and also the fact that you'd basically memorized all the songs. I mean, yeah. you had your little music sheet yeah. next to you, but you didn't really look at it that much. Right. right. And I practiced hard for that, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it was nerve wracking, right? And it was it's just, it's just you by yourself, you, you and a guitar. Yeah,
1: and it was a stretch because I hadn't played get much guitar in years when I when I did that, and uh, then then I had to memorize. So yeah, but I, I, I love the challenge of it and since writing songs is one of the things I enjoy the most that part was great Um, but what I was leading to was then this year earlier this year I recorded four of them at home and at least a couple of them
0: with like programmed drums and stuff yeah
1: at least a couple of them sound great in fact anyone who I've played this one for uh, loves it but for some reason I've not put them anywhere yeah I've never heard them yeah so, I'm, as we're talking, I'm like, well, screw that. I'm going to put those four somewhere and share them. Like, why not? What, am I, what do I have to lose?
0: Good. So, when you look at this, and then we're skipping ahead, you actually really investigate the distorted part of your personality. Right. So, it, so if we went back to your uh, you know, core emotional needs, we might look at how stability, the lack of stability that you were given growing up could have played a role in that, right? Yeah. It's like, well, if I'm perfect, then life will be stable. Or my life is unstable, but what I have control over, if I can make it perfect, then I'll feel Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, That kind of thing. That makes sense. Um, There's also, uh, I think there's
1: also the negative reinforcement of my mom's side of the family and my mom about feeling like I did need to be perfect. Mm. because for one thing, my mom left, right? So yeah. there was probably part of me going like, oh, it's probably because I wasn't perfect, right? And then her personality is such that makes you feel, and certainly when I was younger, that you're not living up to her expectations anyways. And like, as, as an example, I, I this happened for real. I, I was practicing piano and singing downstairs when I was in high school, and all of a sudden I hear from upstairs my mom going, stop that infernal racket, right so like i mean that's not encouraging jesus christ right and you know she's not the same person now but these are the kind of things that might have reinforced my fear of like oh shit i better not put out anything that's not perfect and i'm not perfect clearly
0: you know wow so yeah yeah right so so you developed this complicated perfectionism which uh paralyzes you on Which, some level.
1: On, yeah, and then with my dad, what, what was funny is because he was so supportive about all my science and my math and all these things. And maybe even if I had wanted to draw, because he used to like draw, But for some reason, and I didn't realize this, for some reason, he felt that he really needed to discourage me musically. And so he never said anything negative that I ever remember. Like, it's not a single time where I remember him going, Like, you have no musical talent or something crazy like that. But I certainly don't remember a single time where he encouraged me Mm. (laughs) or did anything like, I wonder if we should find lessons for you or like get a book on it or something, get an instrument, nothing. Mm. So, in my house, the only instruments I had were my grandpa's old accordion accordion, and like I think there were rhythm stuff like maracas or something because, like, for Christmas time. And Wait.
0: Maracas for Christmas time?
1: Yeah. So like Christmas time, everyone sings uh, villancicos, which are like carols, Christmas carols. And people grab whatever instruments are around, and then everyone plays along. Marimba. Uh-huh. There was a marimba. Beep, 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 beep,
0: beep, beep, Oh. Uh-huh.
1: So there were, there were instruments in the closet, and they were pretty much reserved for Christmas time.
0: Interesting. Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. All right. Last schema here, 18. We must be held responsible. My past mistakes often pop into my head, and then I feel bad. Yes. If I make a mistake, I deserve to be punished.
1: I've felt that way before.
0: Hmm. People who make negligent mistakes should get punished in some way. No. People often make excuses instead of owning up to their own negligent mistakes. Yes. I often find myself thinking about how other people are irresponsible and need to be punished. Yeah. Really? Well, I mean... Yeah. (laughs) How so?
1: Well, so I grew up in a society that was highly irresponsible and people should have been being punished because, you know, I would look around and it's like everyone was always trying to get away with what they could. The kind of thing where if you're in a neighborhood that's not your local neighborhood and you would go to a store and you would ask how much something was, they would usually bump up the price. And if you are not someone they that someone knows, if you're not family or a coworker or an acquaintance, you're kind of dead to me, kind of thing. And so people would, you know, run red lights and if no one's looking, I'm just gonna do this and, thing and, and like litter, litter and and everything just because, like I don't know, it's not my family, it's not my immediate surroundings. So I grew up with both a father who was always railing against that, right, and also kind of just thinking maybe also because my catholic fear and stuff going like this isn't right and so i definitely had a feeling like man our society is messed up people should be held accountable hmm. for all this bullshit and your dad
0: talked about that a lot too all, all the time yeah. to the ex- excess like oh, watching the news those yes. people those those conservatives yes. they need to be punished yes everyone needed to yeah all um i have truly i have trouble truly forgiving others mm, no People say I hold grudges.
1: I mean, no, people don't say that.
0: I beat myself up for making mistakes. Yes. Interesting. So I think you have this one a little bit. So the surrender here is to punish self and others. In what sort of way? Uh, like actually just punishing the self. Like I don't deserve this and, no. and actually punishing other no. people. Avoidance is to avoid situations that involve uh, responsibility and punishment.
1: I mean, yeah, that I think it's a little bit related to the other avoidance that we've talked about.
0: Tell me more about that. So
1: maybe, let me think. Um, yeah, it still kind of goes back to, and I think about how I had these these moments when I was young where I was unfairly, framed essentially for something, a crime I didn't commit, you know, A-team style. And yet I still suffered consequences. So I feel like that also made me a little indignant about like... Would you be B.A. Baracus? I would not. I would be Murdoch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a little face. I want to be face, but I'd be more like
0: Yeah, Murdoch. everyone wants to be face. Yeah,
1: I think I'd be Murdoch. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be, I would be Murdoch thinking I was face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean I guess I'd be uh the colonel or whoever he was. Yeah, what was his name? Uh I love it when a plan comes together. Oh, what was his name? Yeah, Man, I, don't I don't remember. Oh god, now it's I got to look now I got to look that up. Continue.
1: Yeah, so I mean I I think back to those feelings as a child when I was unfairly punished for something at school and how indignant I felt and how like angry I felt. Um and then fast yeah, forward colonel hannibal oh hannibal of course right fast forward to as an adult and stuff like that and i think part of me avoiding getting into things you know like thing, big responsibilities is i don't want to fail and therefore have to like deal with the consequences of actually having to be dealt an actual punishment you know maybe maybe part of it is feeling like man i already went through enough punishment that was unfair so i don't want to have to go through actual punishment i deserve So let me just not even involve myself in this thing that could fail.
0: Interesting. And the overcompensation for the schema of we need to be held responsible and punished is to be overly forgiving but secretly resentful. I've done that. Interesting. Ah, Yeah,
1: I've done that where like, in fact, I still do that where I feel like if someone has wounded me, all they have to do is text me and say like, hey, man. Sorry about the other day. All right, cool. We're fine. Right? And secretly, well, no, I think
0: overly forgiving <laughs> is to forgive them even though they didn't apologize. Okay, sure. I mean, I mean that's a more stark example. Okay, well, and
1: I guess I've had a couple of those. Like, you can think of one person like that.
0: Right. And well, at least, at least I can think of three people. Honestly, right, oh, actually, yeah, right that's, at the top that's a good head. point.
1: Yeah, and I think people I've been who, overly people who
0: have wronged you, you know, yes. at least on that, some that's degree. True. No, actually, they absolutely... never apologized. So I
1: have been overly forgiving and secretly resented it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Even though you have a schema that people should be held responsible. That's right. Interesting. That's I didn't know you had this. This Is more of a secret, and I only give you about a thirty percent on this yeah. one. But okay, so let's review the uh, schemas that you have. So. uh People are let's see, we had, I, I was doing a different system back here. So I forget. So that the people are undependable. Uh we decided you had that one um pretty strongly, right? Yeah. Um I worry well wait. It was I worry like, what, it was worried that maybe it like was just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um fifty percent. So yeah. so this is the one that says like, um, I worry that uh people will leave me or abandon yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I I feel I lack stable emotional support from others. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Okay, and the your your surrender response to that is to select people who are undependable. Yep, that's right. And um, ignore and make excuses for their lack of stability. That's right. And then you also had uh, skipping down. You had the you had a little bit of the I don't fit in. Um, or actually I guess the stability one you had more than 50% percent we will give you 75% because that was a pretty big one because your your parents weren't uh, your life as a child was not stable that's right and very unpredictable Uh, Skipping down to number five I don't fit in you had this one 50% but he had all the coping styles of focuses on differences from others feels different from others you avoid groups and you become a chameleon at times uh But the big one you have, 100%, is the world is dangerous. Yes, yes. Uh, You obsessively read about bad things. You avoid dangerous situations. And at times, you can act recklessly. That's right. And then you also have, I get what I want, the entitlement, uh, 80%-ish. You avoid situations in which you're going to be average, not superior. And you excessively attend to other people's needs but resent it. Um, and put yourself down in a fake manner. <laughs> yep. um, I lack willpower. Uh, we said ninety-five percent here, and this one is accepts the identity of someone who acts impulsively or has trouble controlling emotions or or is irresponsible. Uh, avoids responsibility sometimes, and overcompensates by becoming overly self-disciplined for short bursts. Yep. And then you have the fifty percent. I please others. I must please others. The surrender, that response to that you have is you please others but resent it, and you overcompensate sometimes for becoming uh, uh, overly stubborn in short bursts. Then skipping down to the next one, I must be perfect. You give in to that one by spending a lot of time trying to be perfect and, um, and I guess also kind of beating self up a little bit. Um, do you do that like... Uh, this isn't good enough. I can't... It's not good enough for a release. <laughs> uh, let me think. Um,
1: it's actually not so much that it's the... It's not ready. For example, when I used to have to clean my room because it had finally gotten way too out of hand. And my dad is like, well, you can't watch TV this weekend until you clean your room, right? I would start and I would not stop till it was... Perfect. It was a museum. Every little thing in its right place. Um. So that is more of a like compulsive inability to stop myself once I start down that road because if I'm gonna do this, it's gonna be perfect. Mm-hmm. So rather than me looking at it and being like, "Gosh darn it, it's still not perfect," it's more like, "Gosh darn it, I'm not stopping till it's perfect."
0: Yeah, so sending a- excessive time.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Um. And then you avoid things by procrastinating and that yes. kind of thing. And then you have a 30% of the we must all be held responsible and punished. And you avoid that by um, avoiding situations that involve judgment and punishment. You overcompensate by being overly forgiving but secret, yep. but secretly resentful. Okay, so let's spend a little bit of time at the end here trying to go over the biggest one you have, which is the world is dangerous. The world is a vampire. Yes. So... You, because, again, the world was dangerous when you were growing up and unpredictable, you have a personality trait, a schema, that is, is pervasive. It's not a choice that you make. You can't really talk yourself out of it. It's a felt sense. The world is unsafe. Right. And it, that manifests in you looking for evidence that the world is unsafe, and you find all these different things. Uh, 9-11, O.J. Simpson... Um, The Spice Girls. Is there a thing with the Spice Girls? (laughs) Uh, Well, they
1: have scary spice. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: There's um, hypochondria. Right. There's worries about... do you think I have hypochondria? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good meta. uh, Worries about uh, certain medical conditions, worries about what you're ingesting, Mm -hmm. worries about... Uh, chemicals and products that come in contact with your body. So imagine how I feel about global warming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so uh, so the <laughs> surrender, that's the surrender part of it. The avoidance is to avoid dangerous situations excessively, and the overcompensation is to occasionally act reckless. So those are all maladaptive. Right. So it could feel adaptive to surrender, right? It's like, well, I'm being really careful. I'm, like, focusing on these unsafe things, because it, the more I know, the better I'll be able to protect myself. If I look at all the research on sugar or on non-vegan food right. or on uh, cell phone uh, non-ionizing radiation, then I'll be I'll be safe. If I if I look for all those. cues. By the way, where do you find do you actually (laughs) look at random websites
1: of... (laughs) For for nutrition, I actually have one that I trust called nutritionfacts.org but um, that I found after a lot of research. But for other stuff,
0: it's just whatever. (laughs) Like just... (laughs) WebMD. Pseudoscience on the internet. Um, Yeah. Okay, so the idea goes, and of course in schema therapy, you'd spend two years kind of going over this, but so the idea is, is that your schema and your coping is trying to make you feel, to get your need met of stability. Because we all have a need for stability. We all have a need for predictability. We right. all have a need for um, safety. And so this, these maladaptive coping are actually uh, producing more notions and supporting the notion that the world is dangerous. Because when you're really drunk and you're wandering around Belltown you're just like whoa the world is dangerous and I'm a part of it right so wow or in your surrender is if I read all these articles that terrify me about like things going in me and it's going to be horrible it it actually (laughs) confirms that the world is is dangerous and and reinforces that so the idea is is that we have to we don't just say stop doing that what what we say is how can we make you feel safe deep Mm, deep down how do we get your need for safety and predictability and dependability met? Not through this uh, vicious cycle. Right. But through something more functional. Uh, and maybe through your therapy and other kinds of things. Like use. buying more guns. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting because, you know, that I, f- I feel like a lot of people... Are gun consumers, you know, because that's that's their cultural answer. Right. You know, your cultural answer is to read Web MD because that's yeah. what that's what fancy people, uh, you know, on the left. Yeah. That's the, what left coasties the left, do. Yeah. What people, you know, over the quote unquote flyover states, which is a terrible term, <laughs> is to buy guns. You know, because it's like the more guns I have, the more safe I feel. And right. of course, it doesn't actually make you feel safe. It just and and being involved in the gun culture internet of, like, watching break-in videos and how (laughs) Antifa are trying to kill you. And
1: And it's clearly a self-fulfilling prophecy that we do in these little spirals because if everyone starts being afraid that everyone's going to have guns and start shooting them and everyone starts buying guns and starts shooting at each other, then they've realized their their fantasy.
0: (laughs) Right. So what's a more functional way for you to get your needs met?
1: Interesting. Um, So I'm... I'm thinking about a couple of things. One of them is health-wise, for example. Um, so, if I have reasons to suspect that I could be unhealthy, then it's going to exacerbate my fear, right? And so, the irony of this is that uh, some of the other things that I do, or including in the coping in these in these cases, make me unhealthy for real. <laughs> as as an example, if Uh, if I get reckless, right? Like meaning I go out drinking a late night and all these things. Like, so that compounds a lot of things, right? I, I got very drunk, so that's definitely not healthy. I probably overate. That's definitely not healthy. I didn't get good sleep. That's not healthy. And then all these things make it so the next day is kind of a mess. And then I don't feel good. Right. Um, so it occurs to me that like, if I could find a way, which I, I feel like lately I've sort of been doing better with this, if I could find a way to have a healthy routine that keeps my average body state healthy, not like I didn't get a cold or something, but just then I don't kind of keep going in the spiral of like, oh, you see, I knew I was unhealthy because I just had a new pain in my shoulder or something like this. Um, And it's it's tricky. It's a fine balance because I don't want to obsess over it. But I want a system that makes makes me feel like okay, like you know things are working. Okay,
0: I can see that working. Yeah. Uh, what else could you do?
1: Uh, that's on the health side. Um, on the societal fear. Okay, so one definite thing that I can do is not read the news. Literally, just like don't open CNN, don't open Reuters, just don't do it. Because, and I've thought about, I've had these conversations. Like, well, but what if I need to? Like, no, if you need to know about something, you'll know about something. Like, if we, it'd be great, honestly. It'd be fantastic if we had a news outlet that was all focused on things that you need to know within
0: your community and within your, you know. So, Reddit front page is kind of like this. Okay. Uh, uh, Do you look at Reddit? No. So, Reddit front page is kind of like this in that when there's a massive news story, it bubbles up to the top of the front page because there's a subreddit called World News or News. And on those subreddits, it's all the news and the terrible things. Um, and the, even those subreddits tend to – because people upvote and downvote, right? So even those subreddits tend to have things that are a little bit more useful because it's, if it's clickbaity, people will downvote it in general.
1: But see, I, I don't want to see – part of my point is that it's not actually – since I cannot do anything about the murderer they just caught or the body they just found – or the crews that just show, you know, yeah. all these people. Since I can't do anything about it, right? Then seeing the news is only a- exacerbating my
0: right. But my I'm rate. just saying, I'm I'm just throwing it yeah, out there right, right. as a as Reddit front page. Those kinds of pointless news stories that aren't going to actually, you know, you can't do anything about, tend not to be I see. not to bubble. Up. But the big ones that maybe also would be problematic to you are things like mass shootings and that. Well, and
1: kind there's of. other stuff too, like. You know, all the news about Trump makes me feel unsafe. Right, and that's that's all the news never about on the Brexit. Front. Like, why would I care about Brexit right now for me in my current state? <laughs> yeah, meaning it's a terrible thing that's happening over there, but I can't do anything about right. it. Right, right. So it's one of these things where I used to think, well, no, I got to be informed. Yeah, but there's this fine line between being informed for doing something purposeful, and then all of a sudden you realize right. I'm just feeding my right. So the idea addiction. is, is
0: that by surrendering and reading all this news you are re-traumatizing yourself and reaffirming that the world's dangerous. Right. So it just and it creates a vicious cycle where it's like, well now I need to read more news because I need to be on top of it and hypervigilant because I really understand that the world is a dangerous place. Okay. So that's another thing you could do. What else could you do?
1: Well and I, I guess maybe the flip side of that coin, and this would definitely put me in an uncomfortable situation. It's out of my comfort zone, I should say <sighs> what if I did take more of an interest in my local community? Not about, like, what's the latest shootings in my local community, but rather, what are the, uh, you know, civil plans for the next few years in my local community? Because it's probably going to be
0: less freaky. Right. It's going to be more under your control. Right.
1: And maybe I could actually do something about it because I could at least vote a certain way, right? But maybe I could lobby, send a letter donate to
0: things I care about so the healing aspect of this is that it is an experience of uh, that's real where you are actually confirming that the world is safe around you and your community generally and that you actually do have power in a way that you didn't when you were three yeah Um, what else could you do
1: I've thought about um, actually going and meeting my local firemen and police people and being like like fire people and police people and actually like a you know i don't know if you're allowed to donate stuff you probably can right i don't know can you can you take like a basket like here here's some goodies for you guys
0: uh that's interesting i don't don't know know.
1: well whatever the point is i want to be like in touch you know like hey you guys protect my community uh and rather than like what was the latest fire you know it's more of just getting to know them and supporting them and you know, that kind of thing.
0: Or you could just flat out ask him, look, I have a problem with w- thinking right. the world's a dangerous place. Can you reassure me that I'm not very likely to right, right, need right. your services anytime right. soon? Well, or oh. what do I need to do? What are the common things? Yeah. You know, like I, I had out of the podcast uh, these guys who do this um, dad challenge podcast. I have them on the podcast. I mean, one of them is a fire um, person. <laughs> and I asked him, I said, you know, what's the common mistake that people, people do? Uh-huh. And... I think I already forgot what he said, but I think he said something like I think one of them was people don't have a fire extinguisher in their house right um and I was like well i, I have i'm I'm obsessive about fire extinguishers. I actually run my family through drills sometimes mm. I'm like, fire in the stove, what do you do? you know and Stacy's like i grab the i you know I grab the fire extinguisher where is it It's under the sink um what do you do? I pull the hey, pin. i put you know that's a great
1: idea. I just thank you because I just realized. Um, doing non-irrational drills. Yeah. Meaning, not like, okay, the nuke is coming, you know, but more like, more like what you just said, right? Like, okay, the smoke detector is going off. What do we do? Yeah. Because what, anyways, my point is, I think a combination of getting to know the people that actually would be in charge of trying to save me or protect me, where something bad to have to happen, gives a little more reality to the world, you know, mm-hmm. because it makes it more three-dimensional. And then also this thought of like, yeah, what if I did write down some some plans for, you know, again, not uh, extreme things, just common things. Like, okay, so a fire breaks out in the stove. What do I do? Do I have an extinguisher nearby? Do I not have yeah. an extinguisher
0: nearby? Uh, another thing that I don't know if it's going to occur to you is… The original unsafety came from your experience of chaos of where you're going to live, whether or not your parents are going to come home, right. uh, whether or not someone's going to move away. And the cure for that is to have a very stable life, which you've had yeah. for years now. right? And I mean, since I've known you, you've lived in three homes since yeah. you've known me. Well, I guess since you've known me, I've lived in four homes. But still. But you also met me. So you met me
1: at the peak of my instability.
0: Mm. When yeah. you met me was yeah. the peak of my instability. So since then, you know, after the rocky years, you've had extreme stability. I mean, job-wise, you've, you know, you had some Same changes. job forever. <laughs> um, and... So one way to heal is to focus, if possible, and let me know, Mm. on how stable and safe the people around you are. You know, I'm a safe presence. How
1: different this experience has been in the last decade really.
0: Yeah. People then, people yeah. close to you, I get you know, even your parents to some extent right. are extremely safe and predictable. Yeah. Like you know exactly where your you and your dad interface, where you and your so, mom interface. Right. So
1: much so that I just did a call with my dad two days ago. Oh, side story though. Oh my gosh. I'm I oh God. Now I'm triggering myself. Um I will actually avoid this. I had a call with him and he had told me that he had started putting savings away from the money that I send him, which I have wanted them to do for years, and he finally started doing it. So recently, he's had additional medical expenses, and he's been paying them out of the money he's saving. Wow! Now, it's still my money, but <laughs> hey, it's better than an emergency that I don't know about. There's like, well, I need more money when I already send money, right? And so actually, that's different. That's like, oh, okay, that's good.
0: So focusing on those elements... As real life examples that the, wor- that the world and relationships and your life is stable, predictable, right. safe. Right. You're safe.
1: And the relationship with my mom really has been great in the last decade. You yeah. Know?
0: And absorbing that. Yeah. And a side effect might be less vigilance about the news.
1: So sure, maybe I have tapeworms, but those can be managed with medication.
0: Uh, Focus on the safety of current relationships. Um, If possible. What was the triggering story?
1: Oh, I I decided to uh, untrigger myself, which was actually interesting because I wouldn't have done that before this conversation. Uh, Well, my dad, the other day, because he's been sick, number one. Number two, he's been going to the doctor for various health reasons. But when we were on the video call... He had a little bit of a lisp, and I was like, Dad, I'm hearing a little bit of, like kind of you had braces in your mouth or something, like th- with certain sounds. So it worried me a little bit because it could be neurological, and he's like, yeah, I I, I, th- I think I know what you're talking about, so I think he needs to go check that out. And it could just be because he had been sick, but I've never heard that from him, ever. This is the first time I've ever mm, heard
0: it. It's concerning. I hate to say this, but it also could be a substance related issue.
1: Ah, it could be that's true. It could be um and that would be preferable i don't know whatever. The point is that when I was about to say it, I noticed I started getting triggered, like, oh my God, and my dad I just noticed you know, and then I was like, wait, stop it's fine
0: oh interesting and and so so focusing on when you're triggered around your safety issue not giving into it, and uh, reassuring yourself and not going down those patterns where you'll get worked up in terms of the the triggering of the schema that the world is unsafe.
1: Yeah, and in fact, because in this case, look, it is possible. Maybe he is getting something. Who knows, right? Whatever. It's going to get older. Like, Stuff's going to happen. But it's kind of like with the news. Like, If it is happening, we'll have to deal with it. But what can I do right this second about it? I just, right. All I heard was something, and, I to, and we talked about it. And, he's, and maybe it was just because he was on something.
0: Well, <laughs> and, which is a good way of sort of tamping down the, the anxiety, but a way of building up the safety is to think like, okay, this person is safe. I'm safe. Kirk is safe. Yeah. These other people are safe. My dad's basically safe, yeah, as safe as anyone his age yeah. is going to be. There's right. no real... There's no real threat to safety here, you know, um, and living in that safety. Yeah. So we did the full process. We went from your core emotional needs. you, You described that. You described which ones were met adequately, which ones weren't. We looked at all the different schemas. We learned some new things about different categories of personality schemas that you developed in relation to certain needs not being adequately met growing up. We targeted the particular schema of the world is dangerous. And we looked at your different coping styles to that. And we looked at uh, more functional ways of coping. So how does this all feel, Berto?
1: This is very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Because like you pointed out earlier, when we went down that first category where it was all yeses, even though from one angle, it could be like, oh God, what do I have? Right? It actually felt the other way. It felt like, oh, this might help me, you know? It's a good discovery kind of thing. Because, like you said, they didn't put this questionnaire just for me. It's just things that humans can have, you know? Right.
0: That other people <laughs> will also agree with right. all those statements. Right. Even though if you looked at their lives, you'd be like, well, why are you worried? Your life, you're, you're fine. Right. You're not any more in danger than anyone else is.
1: And, in fact, I, ironically, or, or maybe serendipitously, for my condition, it actually helps me. Because... My condition would be to be like, who knows what I have, right? And instead, this is a case of like, oh, wait, actually, maybe this is something we can identify and talk about.
0: Yeah, no, for me, when I had panic attacks when I was young and went to grad school and learned about panic disorder, right. I was like 95% cured hmm. just by right. the knowledge that I had this thing that other people had.
1: I, I had a similar feeling about it when I was told by my doctor after my panic attack and I went to the doctor the next day sure that I had had a heart attack or whatever when I was told that well it it might have been a panic attack and even though I've been watching the Sopranos like dots had not connected I was like wait what
0: that alone was like oh yeah. Well, I was—I'd never even heard of panic before graduate yeah. school. It—it it, it was something in the early '90s for my circle that was not talked about. It was not something that anyone knew about. So for me, it was like completely revolutionary. This right. idea that anxiety, an anxiety condition, could create that that level of confusion and certainty mm. that you're dying. Um, was uh, revolutionary to me. So that was your experience kind of with this model. So it's not just like anxiety, right? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I worry about things. It's another thing to agree with statements like, um, I often feel, I often have the feeling that something bad is about to happen. Yeah, right. It's not like I sometimes get nervous. It's like I have a feeling in my soul that something bad is about to happen. It's more global than just an anxiety yeah. issue. It's more pervasive in, in your right. personality and more tenacious to cognitive reworking, right? You know, it's yep. one thing to be like, hey, uh, stop worrying so much. Um, and one could actually argue you actually don't suffer from an anxiety disorder, but you do suffer from the anxiety personality. Mm. Yeah. Like you have a personality Of of anxiety, but you actually don't have the anxiety disorder because you you know you're not like checking knobs and washing your hands ten times a day and uh, not being able to fall asleep. You know, it's like this low grade, constant personality trait of anxiety.
1: Um, I also I do wonder how much of it's genetic or something, but but I now I'm thinking about it. So my grandma and my 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 dad's grandma, so the grandma I lived with. She was constantly, definitely a hypochondriac, and constantly also afraid that something bad was happening. And you observed that. that? And I observed that all so, the
0: time. So that's another uh, major factor. So yeah. people who have this often have someone in their family right. who taught them those, those lessons. Because so like, a- imagine being your three years, four years old, and you're just like, that powerful adult, is terrified of the world yeah i'm scared of the world right and they're scared of the world man the world must be really terrifying right so
1: right so i had like this perfect concoction of like and of course my dad was from the same output so my dad's sitting there like don't don't eat that that touched the table for a second you know like oh did did they not boil that water that you know like i'm a doctor here there's bacteria and viruses everywhere they're trying to kill you as we speak. And then my grandma going, like, the Man, phone rings. you just rings. had it
0: coming from all angles. Yeah.
1: Because then the phone rings, and my grandma was like, oh, Virgencita Santa, quien se murió? Or, you know, like, just everything was threatening. And, and, and the then, phone rang? I mean, I remember things like that where she would be like, because the other thing that would happen is, if you think about, like, since she is my grandma, the people of her sphere of life are now in their older stages of life, Right. So quite often, we would hear news like, oh, such and such fell down, or oh, she's in the hospital again, or, and someone would, they would, people would visit, this is the other thing, people would show up to visit randomly, and in Colombia, it was totally socially acceptable to just surprise visit people, which drove my dad nuts, but people would do it. So that was another thing that for me, on a random day, anyone could show up. Right and so all of a more, sudden
0: more instability, more instability, and yeah. your dad's not cool with it, right? And, and that you know, but that's interesting that you going back to what you're saying about your grandma's fear is like, you know, when when I grew up, my parents, uh, all their friends, all their associates, all their brothers and sisters were healthy and young and in their twenties and thirties, right. But if you're raised by older people who have <laughs> right. all their friends and sisters and <laughs> they're convalescent they're 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 getting hurt and, yeah. they're, and they're dying, yeah, and to hear that uh more often than not as a younger person could could play a role,
1: yeah, well, and then seeing my grandpa deteriorate in front of my eyes, and oh my grandpa fell down the stairs again and just like stuff all the time, you know?
0: right? So, so the notion gets built in your soul that at any moment something bad is going to happen because guess what? It always does. It did.
1: And like, yeah, it's just now I'm just putting it all together, right? Like, oh, hey, third grader, whatever it is, you and your cousin need to come. Why? Oh, you, your uncle's dead. Like, and then my grandma's like, oh my god, it's the end of the world, right?
0: Right, because of suicide.
1: Yeah, and then. And then my other cousin, slash not cousin, her dad gets literally killed because he's the leader of one of the rebel factions. I'm like,
0: shit was real. Right when I was in <laughs> Colombia, and you were showing me where you lived yeah. and you're taking me around town, you're like, oh yeah, that's the Parliament building. Yeah, when I was a kid, uh, my uncle or my cousin's uncle was involved in a raid that you know, over was a coup yeah. with guns and killing people. I knew these people. Hundreds
1: died. My grandma was literally across the street. My grandpa worked in that building.
0: Yeah. Like, and that's just one example yeah. of this instability. Yeah. Uh, drive-by shootings and bullets to your house. And- oh, and
1: my dad telling me, like, I don't want you to hang around with that one kid from school because his dad is the police chief, and he looks after, going after narcs, And they're always at risk and they drive around with bodyguards and you could get shot at at any time.
0: I wonder how many people in Bogota grew up with the world is dangerous schema. You know, that's a great question, because how is it that it it, what's
1: interesting is how much family must play a role in spite of the society. Mm. And the reason I say that is because a lot of the friends that I know that are my friends are not this way.
0: But they had parents who didn't. And they had
1: more stable parents at home.
0: Right. Their parents didn't abandon them. And
1: And so I do think, well, imagine just how powerful that is. Hmm. Because, yeah, like my friend Juan Miguel always is like, oh, you're worried about everything. Oh, nothing's going to happen. You know, stuff like that. Now, he has different issues that he, like, takes too many risks, but whatever. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think it was not just that the society was risky. But that I also had a lot of fam- family issues that made it feel even riskier at the core.
0: Mm. So how does it feel at the end of all this thing?
1: Good. I, uh, specifically, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do two things specifically. One of them is I'm going to work on catching myself mm. as soon as I start feeding my bad news bears.
0: Your surrender.
1: Yeah, my surrender.
0: You're we not going to surrender to, to the schema. i
1: are going to work on that. Second one is, I'm going to, I'm going to nurture uh, what you're saying about pointing out the safety and working on rational safety. Like, do I have a – like right now as I'm thinking about it, I think I have a fire extinguisher in my kitchen. I'm going to check where is right. it
0: actually Work taking the steps
1: have I actually do I know how to do it all these yeah. kinds of things and and, and it's by be- the
0: way I always have more than one because sometimes yeah. fire extinguishers right. like you know they're right. duds
1: so like taking rational steps earthquake you know I don't know what to do in the case of an earthquake whatever like those are things that there's rational steps you can take things like that but not read the news
0: mm. I'm just gonna like do you read the news a lot
1: yeah. Like, I'll open CNN, and I'll and I'll scroll through Facebook, and people post all sorts of horrible shit all the time. Yeah. So I need to basically avoid news and Facebook.
0: Well, so for <laughs> me, like, I don't look at CNN. Again, I just look at Reddit, and it's a little bit different landscape. But with Facebook, I actually block people or unfriend people who post a bunch of political stuff. That I that – I, Right. Even if I agree with it, I'm yeah. just like – you know, I come to Facebook to look at – Pictures uh, like today, all the kids are going back to school, and so there's all these like yeah. first day of seventh grade, and it's right. like I love looking at that. My you know my nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. my uh, friends' it's kids. Cute. Yeah, it's just like I like to, <laughs> and it reminds
1: you of the good things in life.
0: Yeah, well, to me, Facebook is all good because I've blocked and you know, cold mm-hmm. all that. I, I you never have curated I never, your
1: experience. I never
0: see a single fight on Facebook because right. I think years ago I just okay. sort of. So
1: maybe it's not like, yeah, so maybe it's more about blocking or or unfollowing. And then uh, as far as news sites, I'm just not going to open them. Just not open them. So number one, catch myself on bad news bears down trips. Number two, don't open news sites. Number three, curate your Facebook feed. And number four, take a look around your environment and see if you can do some some, uh, rational safety precautions to make you feel a little more safe.
0: Well next time let's do a follow up on this on that and also we didn't go into the other schemas and really delve into that but let's do that next time yeah, because love it. Berto we got to go to a concert to see the Beatles to see the 50th anniversary of Abbey Road mm-hmm. played by a local uh, Beatles cover band yeah. they don't dress up in the outfits they, they just focus on the music they just focus on the music and it's at a fancy old people venue hmm. where you get to sit down, and there's waiters, and it's not like the crocodile where it, there's a, you know a, <laughs> a, a mass of people and sticky right. floors with beer on it. It's a fancy place, and we're going with Stacy and your and our friend Ron. Yeah, and uh, so we got to get we got to skedaddle. So let's let's get back at it in another episode. Let's do it. Uh, please take care of yourself out there, and take care of your schemas because you deserve it.